Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the State of the League podcast. You're now tuning in to the second episode of the week. It's a free episode this week. It might might not be in the future. We're probably going to move it to Patreon, and so uh, I'll release details for that in the fucking future. But for today, it's free. You get to hear all of our thoughts on the Western Conference. It's me, Jack, a.k.a. Jokic Joestar. I would be shocked if you found this without like realizing that's who hosted it joined as always by the world famous pablo escobar my co-host we already talked about how we're doing in the east episode that's already out so you know you you guys don't get to know if you're just listening for the west if you're not here for all of our coverage then you can honestly leave turn it off right now (laughs) we hate you (laughs) we hate you and you're a bad person you're morally corrupt you have no values uh pablo what do you think about the San Antonio Spurs? I think I think that's a good question to start with the Western Conference. All right. So the state of the league. So the state of the Spurs, they're in a state of waiting because you have Wemby. He's good. Rest of the roster, not very good. So you're living, you're living off crumbs right now of, oh my God, did he dunk off two steps from the half court line or whatever? Oh my God! The other team's announcer said he's really good. Oh my God! Uh, Jokic said, "Oh, he's going to be good someday." So that's you're living off crumbs. Will there be a Keldon Johnson trade? Will there be any kind of trade? Um, the Trey Johnson or what's his name? Uh, Trey Jones. Trey Jones. Trey Jones. The Trey Jones pairing with Wemby will it be? Will it be historic? Just like the points per possession numbers are right now, or whatever. Um, we'll see. But you don't know today. You got to wait. You do have to wait. I think that's a fair analysis of the Spurs. I would have them in a similar spot. Um, Spurs probably have them in a state, maybe like Wemmania, Wemmania. That's really all there is to do down there, just in terms of like – Devin Vassell's fine, um, Sohan's fine, but it's like so frustrating to watch the Spurs and see how they treat Wembenyama just as like a cog in the machine instead of like clearly what should be the focal point of the offense and like maximizing the things that he is able to do that nobody else on the floor can. Um, I don't know why they're just doing that now. The Sohan point guard experiment, it was fun while it lasted. Getting Trey Jones out there is a little bit more uh, traditionally fun in the sense that, like, you see him do cool shit that involves Wembenyama instead of like doing a fadeaway that Wemby maybe gets a rebound on or something. Um, yeah, I saw Trey Jones throw Wemby a lob. That's really all there is to talk about the San Antonio Spurs. They stink. Oh, yeah. I, I just remembered something. LaMarcus Aldridge, he got on the All the Smoke podcast. Have you seen his clips from there? He was he was talking about the Spurs. He said, um, he said, Wemby needs a go-to move. And it was kind of funny listening to him talk because you know how you can always like NBA players are like they they are they see basketball through their own lens. So like for example, like if you ask LeBron about rookie Ben Simmons, he's like, oh, this guy's going to be a great player. And it's because Ben Simmons plays like him. Like every NBA yeah. player loves the players who play like them. Um, it's funny in that podcast. I've only seen the clips. I haven't listened to the whole thing. But uh, in the one clip, LaMarcus Aldridge is like, Wemby needs a go-to move. Like right now, he's just kind of floating. He's kind of dribbling a lot, taking all these shots. What he really needs is one like 
sharpens tool one one sword up. <laughs> he, he didn't say that, but um, he he really needs just one go to move that he can go to in the fourth quarter. That's like a reliable well for him to score with, and um, it's like very obvious. Like, uh, and he's like, for me, that was the fadeaway. And then uh, <laughs> later, later they're asking him. They're doing like one word responses to uh, players, and they're like. Dirk Nowitzki, he's like one foot fade away. And then they, they said another player, <laughs> they, crap, who was it? It was another West big man. And he's like, one who wasn't even, I feel like, super known for the fadeaway, but he's like, that type of fadeaway. Like you say, <laughs> what kind <laughs> of fadeaway everyone had? Brain. And I'm like, this guy's entire NBA viewpoint is through fadeaways. He's like, who who can do fadeaways like me? And, and is my fadeaway the best fadeaway? Um but they they talked about some some Kawhi stuff. They're like, hey, why'd Kawhi leave? And uh, he said, um, oh, he said the so Stephen Jackson said that the number one reason Kawhi left was because of Tony Parker. And so, do you remember what Tony Parker did back when he was there in the? Are we talking about when he fucked his teammate's wife? Or no, is this, this is after with Kawhi. With Kawhi, I um, don't so, remember that. So basically, um, Tony Parker had this kind of injury. I forget what kind of injury this was. Let's say it's like a hamstring or something. So Tony Parker goes out with this injury. He comes back. Kawhi gets the same injury, and he's out for longer than Tony Parker was. And so Tony Parker goes to the media, and he's like, yeah, he's still out. I don't know why he's still out. I had that same injury, and I came back quicker. And so then uh, <laughs> Steven Jackson was like, that's what made him want to leave. That's what pushed him out the door. Um, and LaMarcus Aldridge was like, hey, listen, I'm not saying anything. So I don't know if that confirms it or not. Um, and LaMarcus, one of them, I forget if it was LaMarcus or Steven Jackson. They they also said, I, I feel like it was LaMarcus where he's like, uh, he's not as, he wasn't interested in Popovich real life teaching stuff he i think he's a he wasn't interested in the maps he wasn't interested in that whole thing i'm like the maps is he showing him maps <laughs> uh, so uh but yeah they, they they got a little little bit of spurs lore there shout out to lamarcus yeah. i like i like the tidbit about him viewing um everybody through their their fadeaway jumper um because it's like it's like he's he's watching sangoon tape and uh sangoon just like the wide open one leg fade away and the is like hell yeah and then like but then he pump fakes and does like a crazy spin move into a dunk over two guys and the marks is like it's not that's gonna fail you in the playoffs buddy like he, you know you need Wendy's to sharpen arm. that he sees Wemby's arm goes up. He's like, that might be able to get my fade away. He's a really good defender. He's really <laughs> um, good. Holy uh, shit. I need to do some angles. Yeah. One, one more thing is I think the Pistons might be the best thing that ever happened to the Spurs because mm -hmm. they're they're 5-27 and 27 right now. The Pistons are 3-30. and 30. If the Spurs were at the bottom right now, I feel like all the hate that Cade Cunningham has got would be on Wemby, and it would just be magnified a thousand times more. They'd be like, the great French bust. We should have known he'd be waving his white flag. That's what they do. And so they, they got to be thankful for Detroit's existence. Yeah. I mean, no, that, that that's true. They probably are. And yeah. I don't know. I think it's a testament to how good Wemby is that he's survived 
um all of this without like getting that that oh the fucking french oh my god these <laughs> they're they're horrible he's a bust i can't believe it um just because like <laughs> to to have that take it, to have that take with Cade Cunningham, you can throw on a Cade game and, like, when they got the shit kicked out of him by the Rockets last night, you can throw it on and be like, what? what's the hype with this guy? He's yeah. just not He's good, not man. fast. <laughs> <laughs> Literally. But you throw on a Spurs game where Wemby gets, like, 25 minutes. You sit down and watch the whole thing or you even catch, like, the highlights. You're like, Whew. Holy this fuck, guy's that's, big. <laughs> that guy is how is he moving through space like that? That's really scary. And so yeah. Um I think it's a testament to how good he is that he's not having that happen to him, but uh I do think the French are quick to surrender and I think that's been their Achilles heel for a long time and uh, you know, ambassador, if you're listening to this, I'll say that to your fucking face. Let's go, pal. Um, shout out my Portland. Colon. You got groomed by your wife. All right. Oh shit. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, Portland. Portland Trailblazers. I have them in a state of sneaking. They're sneaking Ooh. around because they're they're sneaky, fun to watch. Now that Anthony Simons is back, uh, I don't have that their Utah from Jujutsu Kaisen. Shout out to yes. those who understand. He's a, he's a sneaker. He's he's <laughs> he's sneaked up white boy. Um, <laughs> and so yeah, uh, since Simons been back, I don't have their record. I know they have a couple good wins. I think they beat the Suns and they beat the Kings as well. And yeah, they're just fun to watch. The offense is a little bit more free flowing. There's more shot creators. It's taking pressure off of Scoot Henderson, who's been pretty impressive as well. He had a couple double doubles with points and assists. He's only the only rookie to do that so far this season. And so yeah, Portland, um, yeah, if you can catch like the first half of a game before it really turns into a blowout, yeah, they're they're a fun team to watch. And they're surprised like Simons is a clutch scorer. If you get into a close game, I would not want to like be going back and forth with him. He's he's been really good. So yeah. Portland's sneaky. Yeah, I have them in a state of patience. Um they they just had gotta they gotta let the young guys unfold. They're two and two in their last four. Um, Scoot is finally turning it up. Still not quite where the expectations put him, but the expectations were too high for year one. Um, but his passing looks good. Uh, his burst is looking better. I saw someone say, oh my God, he's going to be an elite defender because he uh, slid with, he took a bump to the shoulder and slid with the guy once. So they, they got things to be excited about. Um, Anthony Simons is really, really good. He is one of the best shooters in the entire league. Um, it's very, very special to be able to shoot off the dribble like he does. The one piece of his game that I think he has to, if you think he's going to be a star, if you want him to be a future star, he's got to get the rim finishing uh, ability up, the ability to get to the rim, draw free throws, and finish there. That'll be the piece. Um, to unlock star potential, but if he never gets it, he's already a really, really good player. Probably got to be better defensively, though. And then um, Matisse Thybul, he's up there in steals and deflections, I think. So they they got some they got some things going on. It's not it's not all doom and gloom. It's not all doom and gloom. I like that for for Washington State. You know, it can feel like that sometimes. So guys, if you're looking for a little bit of a pick me up, go. Oh shit! Well, I mean, it's rainy and gloomy there. Whatever. Same exact Who cares? Thing. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! He's like, I don't know. It's like Kansas and Nebraska or something. It's the same thing. Come on. 
Um, oh, Kansas City's in Missouri. What a, what a holy shit. You're a fucking geography guy. You've been hanging out with Popovich. All these maps. Um, oh my god, I've spent so much time in city data forums trying to find the best place to live that has the best weather, uh, the lowest cost of living, and the best public transportation. And so, spoiler alert, it's not available to you if you're in the United States unless you're rich, but there's plenty of places available abroad. I can't give out all my spots. I have one clear number one spot. That is the best. It is literally paradise on earth. It's cheaper than Indianapolis, Illinois, which is not an expensive uh, American city. It's cheaper than that. It has 70 degree temps year round. Um, no, no crime, no dangerous animals or anything. I can't tell you guys what that spot is, but I mean, looking to Bilbao, Spain, pretty good. Oh, okay. Damn. Bilbao, Spain. We'll check that out. You 70 degree. I don't know. Like, I, I like the cold. I like cold. I'm I like a my cold hater. Like... I'm a cold hater. Damn. All right. Understandable. Um, Moving on to Memphis, who's gone a little cold since their hot start with John Morant's return. They lost back-to-back games. I think probably mm. like four and two in their last four because they won a bunch, One won four three. in a row. Okay, okay. And then uh, they lost to the Kings. They lost to the Clippers. They got fucking nuked by the Kings. Job played pretty poorly. Understandable. It's kind of more surprising to me that he looked so good right off the bat for four straight games after eight months off from professional basketball. And so, like, for a little while, any bad games he has, even though he's proven that he can, like, play at the level we expect him to, I'm just going to be like, eh. He's been off for a while. Whatever. <laughs> Who cares? Who cares? He's fine. But yeah, uh, Grizzlies pretty clearly like in a separate tier of the rest of the teams around them right now. It's just like the gap is probably too much to make up. But like, yeah, I don't know. All the other teams down here are bad. The Grizzlies were bad. Now they're good. Not great, <laughs> but good. I have them in a state of reality check they they're getting a reality check um because when Ja came back they're like okay this is easy Ja morant on your team wins games but it's not that easy um the he he looks very very good um but yeah they're probably too far gone to do anything this year um their fan base is officially falling in love with marcus smart um, and also Vince Williams Jr. He's a lockdown defender for them. So they, there's there's some things some things good in Memphis, but it's probably probably a foregone season. John Morant called the reporter a hoe, but they didn't report on it. So but now we know. Why did they tell us? I don't I don't know. But I don't know. Beats me. Um, or not a report. He called the referee a hoe. But in his defense, the referee was probably being a hoe i mean call it like you see it so that's referee behavior um (laughs) oh yeah falling in love with marcus smart the second he gets a like ball distribution responsibilities taken off of his shoulders and it's oh i don't have to i don't have to be like a primary shot creator or distributor or initiate the offense anymore i get to do my marcus smart business that's very – that makes sense, yeah. It's easy to love Mark Smart when he's doing shit like that. When you're asking him to, like, you know, really be, like, a fulcrum of the offense, it gets a little bit – my relationship with him gets a little bit shakier. So, yeah, it's good to see Memphis. It, it makes sense that he fits in Memphis. If his health 
maybe was a little bit more durable if he was like himself several years ago maybe we could see a tony allen type renaissance Ooh. in here how he got sent to memphis and was just like fuck you guys i'm the <laughs> culture here now uh but yeah marcus smart's good um memphis is good but i this season they're probably in a pretty high draft pick all things considered yeah um yeah, could be worse. You could be, uh, I don't know, like bad, but competing for the play-in and like, I don't know, All, pulling Andre Drummond. So he made a game winner against the Pelicans his first game back, and then mm -hmm. did he throw? He threw a game a game winning lob against them the a few games ago that they won. What <laughs> they're 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 probably pissed. They're like, man, twenty five games couldn't it have been thirty? <laughs> yeah, they probably are. I, I have to, don't get me wrong. I have a couple bullets on the Pelicans Grizzlies relationship a little bit further <laughs> up my list. But first, we got to talk about uh, the Book of Mormon, Utah. I have them in a state of surprise. Surprisingly, I don't know, not good. But like, as someone who has not been tapped into Utah basketball season, looking in, I was like, oh shit. Five of their last six, and they're three and one in their last four, including wins over the Mavs, the Heat, and the Raptors. That's pretty surprising for a team that is still, again, bad. Um, they just beat Luca and Kyrie by 37 points. And so that's that's fucking crazy to me. How, how are you feeling about Utah? So the Jazz are three and one in their last four. Um, they're in a state of invincibility. And do you know why that is? It is because. Ice Bryce Sensabaugh made his official NBA debut. He touched the court. He played for two minutes. Did he take a shot? No. Did he make an assist? No. Did he get a rebound? No. Did he do anything? No, because it was only two minutes. It was 0, zero, zero stat line all the way around. But that's the kind of impact that he has on the franchise. 3-1 in the last four because everyone believes. He's like Batman, except if Batman was actually helpful instead of uh, just a psychotic guy beating up uh, poor people. Um Everyone believes I can be very sensible one day, maybe, um, if I just had limitless um, confidence. And so they're getting closer and closer to realizing who their best player is, getting closer and closer to realizing if we play him, we'll be undefeated. Maybe they won't do that because they're worried about the draft. They want to get a higher pick. Uh, they want yeah. to trade Lori. They're, I think they – is John Collins in trade rumors again? Um, yes. They, yeah. So they want to blow it up. So it makes sense why they're not bringing Bryce up because that's then like you try and blow it up, then you find yourself in June in the finals, and you're like you got to pay for all this travel and stuff. So I understand why they're not bringing him up in that in that respect. But yeah, if I'm them, I would I would sell high on Lori right now. I feel like this is one of those lulls where um, there's not a true superstar available on the trade market, and so. You might be able to get a package for marketing that you're not going to get at different times if if Joel Embiid is on the market or if somebody comparable mm -hmm. is on the market. So, uh, if I'm them, I'm fire sale. Get everyone out of here. Yeah, I'm on board with that. I'm surprised they didn't do more of it last season. To be honest, uh, shout out Kelly Olenek for getting the job done against the Pistons. What the fuck are you doing in Utah still? Like you, <laughs> you are a guy who should exist on good basketball teams. Fucking doing like weird, dirty plays, falling over all the time. Why are you in Utah? Be in the East. Yeah, I, 
<laughs> yeah. Um, I yeah, I agree with the Lori piece. I do think it's like a very well suited moment for him, especially because there's suitors like off the top of my head, Oklahoma City, Sacramento, and Golden State all seem like different calibers of ready to shake up their roster, but all of them would like welcome and make a serious pass at trading for Lowry Markinen. And that would not be the case if there was like if the danger hadn't worked out and Giannis signed the extension, that guy's looming. Lowry is just going for like a couple picks or something like this fucking bum. Oh my god! <laughs> uh, but yeah, right now he's, he's the cream of the crop as far as like upgrading your roster goes. So I think selling is smart on him. Um. Also, shout out to Jordan Clarkson, first triple double in Jazz history Yay. since since two thousand eight. And I was like, well, if you played Bryce a little sooner, uh, yeah, maybe that just would have. I don't know. Oh my god! Check his assist numbers in the G League. Who was it in two thousand eight? Was it Darren Williams or was it? Kirill it was. Car- it was Carlos Boozer. Really? He it was Carlos assist. Boozer with a triple double. <laughs> that Shout made me laugh so hard. Oh, I wonder if he conceived Cam Boozer on that night, and that's why he's a good passer. No, 2008. How old are people born in 2008? Uh, um, probably like 16. No, he's a little old. So maybe he probably conceived Cam Boozer on a later night. That's my official okay. decision. Maybe or, Cam earlier Boozer. Night, earlier night. Yeah, yeah. Maybe he was in attendance that night. He was like, fuck, oh. yeah, this passing, this passing stuff's really good. I'm gonna work on this. Nice. Oh my god, your your little elbow jumper is getting phased out of the game, pal. Do you um, do you know about his sons that he has he has twin sons and one is six eight or six nine and the other six two? I imagine that. Are you serious? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, I'd be crazy. so mad. Oh my god. <laughs> Damn. Yeah, that sucks. I mean, six two is a great height to be if you don't want to play professional basketball. But if you're yeah, like, but he want he does play and uh, what's it called? And then his brother's like the it's it's like Cooper Flag, and then it's like Cam Boozer in terms of height. So he's damn. like five those inches, man. I'd be better than him. Yeah, um, it's it's like uh, Keegan Murray, Chris Murray, Chris Murray looks oh, exactly yeah. like him, and they play yeah, pretty similarly like, oh too. Oh my it, god, they, they it's look just like identical. six six nine versus six three or six four or whatever Chris is. So yeah, it's how, just how, how did Cam Boozer not not eat his brother in the womb? That's what I want to know. <laughs> that's the re- you know his brother should be thanking God that he's yeah. alive. He's, yeah, he's, you, that, you that's my takeaway from it all. Jeez. <laughs> Basketball's a blessing. In the womb with a fucking elephant baby, just like getting kicked in the head every day. I'm surprised more's not wrong with you, pal. Um, all right. Speaking of things that are wrong, the Warriors. I have them in a state of uh, you know nostalgia. We're looking back mm. on the good old days, and we're recognizing. You know, I still have this photo album. The shit's. I I didn't recognize. When, it, when I was in it, I took it for granted. I thought it was always going to be this way. I could take this guy that needs a couple years to develop. I could draft him because it's going to work out, and he'll be good by the time these guys are bad, and it'll all be fine. Now we're here. We're in the dark days. All my friends have abandoned me, and I'm fucking My, my uncle's to- in jail. That's stream on green. <laughs> oh, shit. Yeah, he is, and I don't have bail money for him, and so I'm just like throwing the ball to Brandon Podzemski, being like, dude, cook please and that's my bright oh, spot yeah. right now and i'm i'm reminiscing on sean livingston mid-ranges and the like what what do you feel about golden state 
Yeah, they're they're one and three in the last four. I said they're in a state of torch passing because Brandon Pajimski and Trace Jackson Davis, they look solid for they look pretty good for rookies and they are older rookies and this was expected. This was what was supposed to happen. Um, this this is what I said was going to happen. So I'm literally a genius. Um, but yeah, they they are looking like two guys who will be valuable players for this team going forward. But Will the stars align? Will Clay Thompson find himself? Will Draymond Green find himself at the same time that Brandon Pajimski and Trace Jackson Davis find themselves? Steph Curry always finds himself. He always knows where he is. It's it's he's five thousand feet away from the nearest poor person. That's where he is. Um, <laughs> and so they they are in a tough spot because Steph is still so good. They have these promising young guys, but it feels feels like the sand is dripping out of their hands. They're trying to grab it, but they can't do it. Yes. Um. The last three have not been particularly nice for Steph. 19 points and five assists on 44% true shooting. Oh. It's tough. And I think uh, uh, this their, their previous four games really lend credence to my theory that in the modern NBA, um, anybody is going to get 10 points per game if they play. Uh, if they play because yeah i like you look at all the box scores and you're like oh shit warriors had six seven eight guys in double digit scoring and then you're like okay well it's not really that much if they're all at like 12 points per game on 45 percent from the field <laughs> or what have you like yeah like you said pods has been good 13 8 and 6 with two steals on 70 percent true shooting in the last four whoa very solid he's, he's been good he's been good he's been shooting good he's been defending he's locked in he's crazy white boy of the year they always seem so to spring spicy. up uh kind of kind of ice spicy with that little uh Little oh yeah, red fro. Okay, she has a secret boyfriend. I wonder if he's in play. Damn, is he the munch, the titular munch? Oh, to be determined. Everyone tweet let's... that in. Are you a munch? Are you the munch? Hey, are you a munch? All right, all right. Uh, Clay Thompson, thirteen points per game, fifty-one percent true shooting. Kaminga, twelve point five points per game, fifty-five percent true shooting. Chris Paul, uh, largely ineffective in three of the games, but then against Dallas, close game, 24 points and six assists on 86% true shooting. So, yeah, I mean, not surprising. I'm not going to hold Chris Paul to the same standards that I'm holding Clay Thompson and Kaminga to. Uh, you 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 hope to squeeze the last gas out of Clay Thompson in this season. Me personally, I think it's already been squuzzed out of him. Uh, but, but Chris Paul... Yeah, I, I I didn't have high hopes for him coming into the season. He can run the back unit fine, but if you're looking for like serious fourth option caliber contributions, it's not it's not going to come from Chris Paul. Hashtag free Moses Moody. I don't know what he did to get locked up, but free him. Teach him Mandarin, man, and Steve Kerr. Fuck! Holy, <laughs> whoa, whoa! Get out there! Get out there! Holy shit! All right. Um. Moving on, Houston, the Houston Rockets. It's crazy to me that they're this low in the standings, to be honest. They, they're, they're such a, a surprise team of the season. Um, one and three in their last four, just lost 76ers without Embiid. It was that big Tyrese Maxey game, 42 points. They also got blown out by the Suns, and they lost to the Pacers, too. 
interesting. Interesting. Uh, they have not won or lost a single game in a row this season. Everything has been at least back-to-back wins or losses. Their current three-game skid is coming off back-to-back wins over the Pelicans and the Dallas Mavericks. I have them in a state similar to Orlando, youthful angst, I think is a good term for it. It's, it's hard. A little more veteran leadership in the locker room, but yeah, pretty young. They're, they're like the Super Hawks, um, which is boom, boom, win, win, loss, loss, whatever. Um, they have, uh, oh, I said they are in a lethargic state. Um, Alperin Shengun, all-star buzz. So that is pretty cool. But they've fallen off from the top of the West. Um, looking like not going to be their year. Um, just just got to have some spunk, I guess. Uh Hopefully, Jalen Green is is not playing fantastic. I see a lot of people saying uh, that he's he's not feeling too well about it either. Uh, shout out to Tari Eason's mom on Twitter. Great Twitter follow. She's always tweeting Tari Eason propaganda as well as Shingun propaganda. She said, I went to the tunnel after the game. I put my arms around Jalen Green. I told him it will all be all right. And so what a great Twitter follow. Um, Cam Whitmore finally got some minutes. Um, but yeah, this team, this team is fading, but they're young, they're talented, and hopefully they figure something out. Uh, yeah, I think my big concern lately is that all three of these losses were giving up 120 points at home. Um, two things that were kind of like the hinge of their good start to the season being very good defense when they were playing at home. Um, they're just like, they're, they're the 10th ranked defense through the second half of their season combined with being the 19th offense in the same span. It's just not a recipe for winning basketball. You could survive that caliber of offense if you're a great defense, but if you're just like pretty solid defensively, yeah, it's, you're, you're going to fall fairly quickly. Um, I will say it does like they're trending towards the team. I expected them to be coming into this season. And I don't think that's like the worst thing in the world for them to be. I, I thought they were going to be around an 11 seed and uh, 11 seed, 12 seed, maybe a little lower. Maybe I didn't know ball coming into this season, but yeah, they, they overachieved to start and that's good. And it's cool. It's nice to see what the ceiling of this team looks like, but I think it's probably smart to prioritize development or developing your younger players, getting them touches and not freaking the fuck out if you're not, like, in the playoff hunt this season. Being in the play-in would be nice. I wouldn't want to play them. That's not true. I probably They'd probably be my pick if I could take anybody in the play-in tournament uh, just because you're going to be going up against, like, an all-time great player if you take any other team, most likely. Oh, so, yeah. yeah. I'll go up against Shangun and I'll take the, the Mama Issa timeline hate afterwards. That's totally fine. <laughs> Yeah, um, let's see. Who? Oh, wait, where's my... So Next up, it's the Lakers, I believe. From Texas over to the West. Uh, for the Lakers, oh, okay. I have them in a, a state of anger. Um, loss versus Boston on Christmas. Win versus Charlotte. Loss versus Minnesota. Loss versus Pelicans. They had the controversial ending against minnesota was it a three was it a two what do you think um 
I, dude, honestly, it's one of like it's probably the closest thing that I've ever seen live. So I really have no, I don't have any problem with them sticking with the originally ruled call. Uh, I think if they had called it a three, I would have been fine with them going to the uh, like the review and being like, oh, fucking three. We said it was. I don't know what to do. I think the bigger. That three, Jared Vanderbilt is so lucky that should happen because the possession before, um, he had a wide open layup off a LeBron drive, and he didn't just miss it. He airballed the layup over the hoop and got his own rebound and got called for a traveling violation and turned the ball over. And so, yeah, I've been on a little bit of a... (laughs) No, no shit. I mean, it was seriously like a shocked in the fool moment, and I've been on a bit of a... I won't call it an anti-Vanderbilt specific movement but i like a anti-vanderbilt player movement where in today's nba having somebody who can just get completely ignored by the defense is really hard to justify playing and like you're gonna be lucky to break even on that if they're an elite defender so yeah it it was tough i think that was symbolic of how shaky the supporting cast has been so far this season and well what do you know lebron's one of the best players in the league AD's looking like a DPOY candidate. He has nights where he looks like he could take the reins from LeBron as LA's number one option, and the supporting cast needs to get shaken up at the trade deadline. Time is a flat fucking circle with the Lakers. I'll tell you what. What they really need is um, just like a really explosive two-guard, somebody who could dunk, like maybe Ben in dunk contests, somebody who can make threes, um, somebody who is familiar with LA, like maybe they played at UCLA in college. I don't know. Um, Zach Levine is available. Maybe I think they should trade for Zach Levine or DeMar DeRozan or Alex Caruso or anybody on the Bulls roster, maybe even Vucevic. They need someone. Um, LeBron and AD, they're very good. They need help. The Bulls are the guys who have the help. Give up all your picks and maybe Austin Reeves. Maybe you give up Austin Reeves in a trade for Zach Levine. I don't know. Um, but yeah, they. I'll tell you what. The three pointer, or I think I think it was a. I think his foot was behind the line. But I went. To, Minnesota fans are like showing this one screenshot, and they're like, mm-hmm. "Look, it, it look." They they're not showing this angle clearly. It was on the line. But even in that picture, I'm like, I don't know, guys. But uh, honestly, it's. Yeah, it's not a it's not a battle I'm gonna be fighting. Um, they <laughs> they uh yeah, I think I'm getting less and less confident in the Lakers being um top line contender. Um they did win the in season tournament, so the season is already a success, but as far as as far as the postseason, I don't know. Yeah, as far as those dusty old uh, playoff accolades, you know, everyone's got those. Nobody's got that in-season tournament ring. So, mm-hmm. yeah, they got that out of the way. We can all breathe. They can breathe easy. But, uh, yeah, in terms of, I don't know, crazy how essentially right now it looks like they're going to need another uh, – run like they had last year after the trade deadline where they did a 180 into being one of the better teams in the league pretty much overnight and were like a really good team and won out the rest of the season and got like I don't know went on a run all the way to the conference finals feels like a roided up version 
of what the Heat have been on for the past several seasons, except instead of relying on like a foundation of you know depth and defense and role players and a couple guys who are really durable, you're looking instead at like Anthony Davis, who is good, but like I don't know, two straight months of health is not a sure thing from him. And then 39-year-old LeBron, who you are relying more heavily on than ever, it feels like, to be an offensive engine, both in terms of getting to the rim, distributing the ball, and being your team's most effective three-point shooter. It's like him and Reeves, and they're both extremely streaky. And, yeah, it just doesn't fill me with confidence to watch the Lakers these days. Yeah, the the only trade that they can make that'll spark that second half run is Zach Levine. So I, if I were them, I'd get on it. I'd trade for it. Yeah, done. Call call up call up Gar Pax. Is that is that who's at the top in Chicago still? No, it is very. Um, we have we have, who, Ak, who? we have Acme A K M E Arturis Karnaschovas, former <laughs> Nuggets guy who founded who supposedly found Jokic. Um, and then Mark Eversley, former something for Toronto. But you know what? They're every bit as mid as Garpax was. So Perfect. It is very funny to be begging Los Angeles for, like, draft capital. The Lakers draft capital flush with it right now. That's why people are mocking up so many good trades for them. It's just like, yeah, they got so many picks to throw around and so many nice, promising young guys and, you know, yeah, it's definitely – D-Lo for Levine, straight up. Who says no? Oh, man. You know what? At this point, if he gets – he's a good tank commander, so I don't – He is. He's coming off the books pretty soon, too. Oh, true. You know I think what? it's like a two-year contract, and it's they, they overpaid him a little bit so that he was like a contract that they could package as being like, hey, you, you, 30 mil off the books next year. I don't know what to tell you, man. They got to have somebody. Oh, give me Demoy Hodge, and then we'll call it even. Perfect. Household name <laughs> Demoy Hodge. You got a deal. Um, all right. <laughs> Moving on. Uh, Phoenix, the Phoenix Suns. I have them in a state of shock because their big three finally played well together in an entire game for what felt like the first time this season. Uh, how you feeling about the Suns? I said they're in a state of disinformation, and I say that because Woj came out and he said people are saying Kevin Durant's unhappy, and everyone I I believed it because you know why he's unhappy all the time, um, and then uh, it turns out he's probably not unhappy. He came out and said this is BS. I'm not unhappy, and um, but I think and he did say that like the entire time uh, when he was leaving the Warriors, he's like. You guys don't know I'm leaving the Warriors, but we all know he was leaving the Warriors. Um, but I think all indications are that he is—he's still fine. Like he's there's not like bad body language. I guess he just had like one bad game, and then everyone's like, "Oh my God, the rumors are true." Um, but they're four and zero in their last four. They beat Portland, Orlando, the Rockets, and the Mavs. Um, yeah, KD. It was it was fake news. He's okay. Um, Bradley Beal is back. He had a he had one ten for thirteen game against who was it? Was it against Charlotte? It might have been, um, um or something like that. Or I no, think it was. It, I don't know. It might have been against did, the Magic. Who did he meet in a in a hallway? He met somebody in a hallway after the game, and they, yeah, 
they were talking, I forget, I feel like it was Brandon Miller, but I don't know. Um, I don't even know if they played Charlotte recently, but bull bull, he had that dunk. So cool dunk, cool dunk alert. Bull bull is back. I get my phone gets blown up. How does this guy have this much social capital? He could, he might be able to make more as an influencer today if he just starts posting instead of uh, being on Phoenix's bench. But yeah, the feet they're they're basically in the same state. We've we've just been waiting for Bradley Beal to come back. He's back, and so it's looking good. It's looking better. We'll see if it looks upper echelon better. Yeah, I I the game where all three of them played, I tried to take a lot away from it. Um, I think Booker did not play like Booker caliber basketball. He played fine. Uh, I'll run through the stats real quick. Real quick. KD thirty-one five and five four stocks, sixty-seven percent true shooting. Beal twenty-five points and two assists, eighty-five percent true shooting. Uh, Booker twenty-one five and four on seven to seventeen from the field. Nurkic nineteen points, thirteen rebounds, three assists, fifty percent true shooting. Ass, but fifty-seven percent on two-point shots. So. Like a little bit better there. Uh, still not exactly the efficiency that you want from a guy you're essentially just asking to finish plays, but it is what it is. Um, and the entire team only turned the ball over six times. They did all that uh, to beat the Magic, who shot 30% from three by five points. So if I'm taking a big thing away from that big three debut, it's the fact that right now this is not like the overwhelming offensive force that they need it to be in order to be able to like gloss over the roster construction defensive issues that are built into this team. Uh, and it, it could get to that point. Uh, Beal, this Beal performance moved me 85% true shooting's insane. And if Booker can hit his ceiling at the same time as the other two, I think that like this could be that kind of offensive team. But I think that having that be like your approach to winning a playoff series is really hard. It doesn't feel like the recipe for a championship. Yeah, it's, it's, they're, they're Phoenix, they're Phoenix. You know what? They, Devin Booker, his father is Luca. That's not a good transition. Never mind. Let's <laughs> just, <laughs> just uh, what's it called? Moving on from Phoenix to Dallas. Um, I said the Dallas Mavericks are in a state of embarrassment. They lost to Utah, and they had Luca, and they had Kyrie. What do you have? What do you have Dallas at? Oh yeah, I have Dallas. A state of worry. Um, just like the Luke, Luca, LeBron comparisons and him leaving it looms heavily it sits in my stomach if i'm a dallas fan every year that we try and fail to put help around him and like you can it's harder and harder to justify him not leaving if you're looking at it from his perspective uh that would worry me the utah jazz loss was embarrassing it's also embarrassing they lost to the Cavs. Uh, no mobley garland or mitchell it was literally like struce jared allen and the fucking fucking Craig Porter, baby. Uh, yeah, it's it's not been good in Dallas, and it would worry me. Did they did, did they have Luca and Kyrie for that game? It, it was just Luca, but to be oh, honest, like Luca and that's, a that's supporting cast, that yeah, they should still be able to win. And it's crazy because he's still playing out of his mind. Um, 
I think, yeah, it feels like uh, he may not escape the the fraud allegations this year. I don't know how the fraud al- allegations exist. <laughs> People are like, they just ignore watching him or see, looking at any stat sheet of any game he's ever been in, and they just see the end result. And they're, it's it's like the equivalent of um, a pitcher throwing throwing like a perfect game shutout all the way until the ninth inning. Then he gives up a game-winning home run and, and loses 1-0. And they're like, that guy's trash. He lost in the game. It's like, okay, okay. okay. Uh, yeah, but they – I uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm i optimistic that they'll still figure it out because I do like a lot of their pieces. But I wonder if, if there are any moves for them to make to bolster this defense even more. Draymond Green. Whoa, what was that? I my went there's a breeze outside. Oh, that's scary. Draymond Green. Whoa. Oh, I wonder what they would have to give up. I don't know. It, it would be hard. I haven't thought about it at all. I'm just thinking about yeah. like the fit and everything. Yeah. This whole season between Luca and Trey has kind of shaken my faith that was not already super solid in the um uh, of geocentrism which i know even like prey in atlanta has been getting more and more off ball like compared to the past several seasons where he was just doing like every single thing for atlanta but uh yeah when you look at like the really good teams around the league right now none of them are like playing this style of offense i don't think that's a fault of luca i think it's more of a fault of like the way they've built it for him to do absolutely every single thing i think he could play off the ball with like more help or just like share the ball with other guys i don't think he's limited to just this one style of play but like the way that he and trey have both been having by all accounts career years and just like are treading water or slowly moving backwards at this point. It's, it's not great. It's not a great argument for the cause. I, I wonder if um, they're cause, cause they're both good enough offensively and their teams are good enough offensively. I wonder if it is, if the cost of heliocentrism is just your teams are worse defensively. Cause they are like, cause everyone's like, eh, I'm not really into defense when I don't touch the ball as much. And, and even <laughs> yeah. so like the, both these guys are great passers um, and they find all their teammates. And so all their teammates get the ball. But I wonder if it, if there is a level of engagement to where like, I don't get to dribble at all, but well, then I don't want to do anything. I wonder, I wonder if there's any kind of link or if it is just as simple as like, the Hawks roster, like just not that, not really defenders on the roster and Dallas, um, maybe just not enough defenders. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe it's too early for rookie lively. I don't know. I think, yeah. They, they got questions. Also Luca, the on off numbers, he, he is interesting in that he's kind of like DeMar DeRozan where I believe I would have to double check. I believe like uh, his, or maybe not, maybe not his teams are better with him off the court, but I think, I think his teams have always still been good with him off the court. And so um, that that part is interesting. But also this year they have Kyrie. So I don't know. I don't know. I got a lot of thoughts floating around that I have not plucked out specifically and marinated with. Ooh, yummy. All right. A little, yeah. I don't know, a little like seared thought kebab on the grill, something like that. Sounds good. Um Grilling, you know where it's nice to grill? California, sunny California, Sacramento, California, even. Mm. What are your thoughts on the Sacramento Kings? I said they are in a, a state of swag. 
Um, they're two and two oh, in their like last that. four, but they have that crown. Have you seen they give out the crown? Um, uh-huh. I don't know. What exactly do they give out the crown for? Is it the best defensive player or just like the player of the game? But they have the cool crown they give in the locker room. I also saw they have a chain that they give out in the locker room. So they, they got some swag. They got the beam. They got the, the ice. What, what else do they need? Um, Probably like a championship caliber ceiling would be chill. Um, maybe see Aqua. Of... <laughs> yeah, maybe. I don't know. Um, yeah. Two and two in their last four. Uh, the losses to the and they're both big bad losses. They're they're pretty substantial in terms of like blowouts. Um, Wolves totally understandable. The Timberwolves are good. Blown out by the Portland Trailblazers. A little bit more concerning. A little bit of I, I don't love that. Even though I know we're giving props to Simons and everybody, they are good. That I, I don't love that. However, the wins are like on the opposite end of the spectrum. Pretty impressive. Uh, they fucking smoked the, the the Grizzlies with Jaws. We already talked about, and then they came back from twenty three down against the Atlanta Hawks to win the game. Which you shouldn't be down 23 to the Hawks if you're a team that's trying to win a title. Uh, but if this were Denver or Minnesota or Boston or Philly or Milwaukee, I would probably give them the benefit of being like, oh, if you're you got to win the ugly games if you're a championship contender, you know, you can't you can't, you can't only blow out. So I, I will give that to Sacramento here as well. Um, this roster does feel like it needs to be shaken up if they want to be serious. Shout out to Kevin Herter, uh, Red Velvet, 35% from three is like an unplayable number for him just because he does like so little else out there at like a really positive level. And then Harrison Barnes, I get it. He's like an emotional fulcrum of team, especially looking at the fucking Reddit. These people will go to the wall for him. Uh, But like having him be like a pretty bad defender at a very instrumental position while routinely being a non-factor on offense does not feel like it does a ton in the way of helping the Kings win basketball games. He's a microwave scorer. He's a 40% three-point shooter most nights, but there is a lot more you can get out of a small forward than that. Yeah, that's, that's, that's where they're at. Uh, you know where I'd rather be in California than Sacramento? I'd rather be in LA, and and I'd rather be with the Clippers. They're they're looking. They're still looking good. Uh, they're three. Oh, wait, I miswrote that. Wait, no, I didn't. Uh, they're three and one in their last four. Um, their state. I said they're in a state of holding their breath because Kawhi got hurt, but now he's back. Um, they lost to the Celtics. They got torched by the Celtics, one forty five, one hundred eight. Um, but they beat Charlotte, they beat the Grizzlies, they beat the Heat, Kawhi returned, so we're we're maintaining court. A Clipper is a ship, right? They're they're, yes. they're still they're still sailing on course. There was a man fell overboard, but they were able to throw the buoy out and rescue him. And so they're still on course. So which they originally at the beginning of the season they were heading towards off a waterfall and then they were like, No, turn it around. And so now they're heading towards um Vinland. Swag, hell yeah. Beautiful, flowing, grassy fields and the whatnot. Um, I to run with your analogy, I would say not just a man fell off the boat, the captain fell off the boat. Yeah. Uh 
And they're like, okay, well, if we don't fucking get this guy, we're probably heading right back to that waterfall, to be honest. <laughs> um, and I don't know if they would get down to like that level of competition again. James Harden's been really good, and their roster has kind of sorted itself out. Um, but it does feel like this recent stretch has been a good microcosm of uh, like what the Clippers are going to be come you know March, April, May, June, which is if you have Kawhi. You're probably one of the five, six-ish best teams in the league, and you have several guys who are capable in the playoffs, including one of the best players on the planet pretty much every time he's played in the postseason since he won the title in Toronto. Kawhi is routinely very good on that stage. If you don't have him, uh, Paul George was good in the playoffs last year. James Harden, you're kind of just praying that he can maintain what he does in the regular season. And then, yeah, I, I don't know. If you don't have Kawhi, you don't have that ceiling with the Clippers. Yep. Um. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's move. <laughs> yep, yeah. A real hot take. Real hot take. We're cranking them out. Kawhi, good, and uh, the Clippers, bad without him. Denver. Ooh. I like Denver. It's not been like the most fun to watch them recently. Embarrassing loss to the Oklahoma City oh, Thunder. Are they in a but, state of embarrassment? Um, yeah, fuck it. Let's say that. They're in there. <laughs> yeah, they're in a state of embarrassment. Just because, well, actually, they're in a state of dogs because Aaron Gordon got attacked by his yeah. dogs. So, yeah. That was fucking crazy, but he's back now. Shout out to AG. Um, embarrassing loss to Oklahoma City, nine and zero in their last nine games, where they don't play the Thunder. Nine and two, mm. two losses to the Thunder. Uh, yeah, the Thunder are a seriously good basketball team. We'll get to them in a second. The Nuggets have just struggled to bring their A game against good teams this season. They have absolutely sleptwalked to like or walked whatever uh 15 and 0 record against below 500 teams this season had a pretty brutal record as far as like travel and back-to-back games goes and this this okc blowout was on the second night of a back-to-back and i think it was on the road if i'm not no no it was it was in denver which doesn't help but yeah uh sucks that they lost to okc this is a very miami situation where it's just kind of like do they still have that level that they hit in the playoffs last year? Because if they do, that's probably the best team in the league. But right now, it would be hard to argue they have played like the best team in the league or even one of the three best teams in the league so far throughout this regular season. Yeah, I said they're they're in a state of vulnerable, vulnerability. And so this is very intricate wording from me. This is very literary Shakespeare rhetorical device S because this works on multiple levels. So they're in a state of vulnerability because, um, yeah, they're, they're getting beat by the Thunder. And they're like, wait a second, we're the guys on top. How come we can't beat these guys? Should we be worried about these guys? Are we, are we not the top? Um, they're in a state of vulnerability because Aaron Gordon got his hand munched up by his Rottweiler. And, and uh, yeah, it was his dog, apparently, but it's his dog that his dad takes care of or someone else takes care of. So the dog doesn't probably doesn't know he's Aaron Gordon's dog. Um, yeah. <laughs> and I, I wonder what what was Aaron Gordon doing? He's probably trying to play with it. And then it munched up his hand. Not not great. Um, and then. State of vulnerability because Jokic finally went on a podcast. He went on the Curious Mike podcast, Michael Porter Jr.'s podcast. I gotta admit, I've 
thought that podcast was mid. I thought there's no chance that this guy could be a good interviewer, but he actually got a, I still didn't listen to the full thing of that yet either, but he actually did get a pretty good interview with Jokic. Um, and, and, uh, he said, said a lot of interesting, cool things are, are, he said, I hate being a celebrity. He's talking about you. He's like, I hate people who have my name in their username. That's the worst kind. Oh, jeez. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I have heard some sound bites from it, uh, and it's it rocks to hear him talk. Uh, I've never heard him say like so many words in a row while smiling. All of his longest like press answers are like, uh. I'm legally required to do this by my contract and like you guys are all making really me really mad and I'm tired and I want to go home. But like this was fun. Uh, it was nice and it was cool to see him talk about like he met his wife. Uh, I thought it was very insightful to his answer about like what he liked most about winning the NBA championship was how happy it made everybody at home and the fans. And uh, I think that's why I don't like really. Un- I guess I do understand why people are like, "Oh, I'm sick of the, I don't love basketball shtick." <laughs> okay. If you pay attention to Jokic, he does like basketball. He likes it a lot. Uh, he just hates all the fame, like being the center of attention, and that comes along with it. And so, yeah, uh, whenever he gets asked about like, "Oh, what what do you do that makes you so special and unique and great?" He's like, "Fuck." I don't know, but Michael Porter Jr. was good at asking questions that don't really point him in that direction. And it's a good listen. I I haven't given it a full listen either, but I have given it a little bit. And, yeah, he's fun. It's good. Um, And, yeah, Denver, I I don't know. Not a whole lot to say in terms of, uh, like, OKC would give him a good series. Minnesota would give him a good series. I can't say who would come out on top right now pretty clearly like a top tier team in the league but as defending champions uh and especially knowing like how championship hangovers happen and how you can kind of move into the postseason a little bit lackadaisical because of it it's not where you would expect or want them to be as speaking as a denver fan i'm sure if you're an oklahoma city fan or a minnesota fan you're fucking happy as a clam right now so let's move to oklahoma city how you feeling about them um, one last thing on Jokic, people need to realize you can't accidentally become that good at basketball. If you're the best player in the world, that, that can't happen. If you hate basketball, it can't happen. Like you can't get to the level where you're making shots from every part of the court. You can do literally everything on a basketball court that does not happen. If you hate basketball, um, but with OKC, they don't hate basketball either. If they're four and in the last four, um, I said they're in a state of jubilant youth. They've beaten the Timberwolves. They've beaten the Nuggets. They've beaten the Knicks. They've beaten the Nets. Um, Shea averaged 32-5-7 on 65% true shooting in December. If you go look at his past 10 games, it's just a big mass of 30, blah, blah, like 7. Um, <laughs> and and he had 65% true shooting while shooting 27% from 3. So this is the most this is the most prolific rim attacker in the league right now um maybe outside of like Giannis or something um but he i i am i'm at the point where i might be able to walk into a playoff series and be like okay Jokic is on the other end i have Shea 
we might be able to win this. <laughs> um, and uh, he's he's just so, so good. I think he's a superstar. The rest of this team, Chet is one of the greatest defensive rookies we've ever seen. Jalen Williams is spectacular. Um, this team, there's there's been a lot of trade talks with them. And I, I would not make a move if I were them. Like, I would not trade for Laurie or anybody else because, um, number one, I don't think Laurie – puts you into surefire contention. Like if you're, if like, if we're looking at like OKC versus Denver right now, like uh, if you just add marketing to the thunder, it doesn't, it's doesn't like change how I feel about the series too much. I'm not, I'm not immediately like the thunder win this now. Um, and mm-hmm. I think if they just held out with all those assets, if they held out, there is a chance they could get a guy like that. Like if I added Joel Embiid to this team, I'd be like, okay, that's a problem. If I added whoever else gets upset and becomes available, if you add Luca to this team, um, I don't know who, whoever will ask out. So if I'm them, I'm going to wait because I think there will be better players to trade for later on. And I also want to see how this roster as currently constructed does in the playoffs because they're already like, top where are they top three in both offense and defense top five something like that they're they're really 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 good right now um and so i want to see i want to see what the pressure points are in the in the in the in the playoffs i want to see what other teams identify as their weakness and what they can try and break them with because then i think that gives you um a more concrete idea of what you need to trade for, what problems you need to address. Yeah, I can take a shot in the dark right now. If they're still leaning on Josh Giddy this heavily in the playoffs, <laughs> pedophile accusations aside, that is going to be a pretty strict. Like, that's it. That's that's the uh, that's the gap in the elite play, as far as I'm concerned. If you're like a defense looking at them, you're like, when Giddy has yeah. the ball in his hands, I'm like. Oh, okay. Well, we can we can take a breath, take a second. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Because I'm right there. I'm right there with you on SGA and like him in a playoff setting. Just I, he did really well against Minnesota. I didn't get to watch the whole game. He went 14 to 16 from two point range there. Um. But like versus Denver, specifically in like a Denver matchup, he would be a fucking nightmare to guard. He scored 40 on 82% true shooting against Denver. He went two or three from three and literally everything else felt like it was like a turnaround, fancy footwork, fadeaway <laughs> mid-range jumper that just like swirled around the rim and went in still. And I mean, KCP guarded him well. KCP is one of the better guard defenders in the NBA. They have a variety of like solid defensive players to help or whatever, but I mean, when you have the tough shot making ability that Shea Gilgis Alexander has mastered, it doesn't like having that like quality help defense doesn't really matter as much as it would against uh, like Anthony Edwards last season. Uh, that help defense was tough. It made his life really hard. I don't think it would do the same thing to Shea Gilgis Alexander right now. And I think he's just going to be a fucking nightmare for whoever catches him in the postseason. Uh, and then, yeah, I said Chet and J-Dub with him round out. I don't know if you consider 25 young, but like him, Chet, J-Dub, average 23 years old, clear best young trio in the league. Like one of the best threes in the entirety of basketball. Uh, and yeah, I, I I don't know. I want Lowry on this team. I am one of those guys. 
but at the same time, what you're saying is like outside of my caveman ape brain, correct. <laughs> um, it, that doesn't make him like an overwhelming favorite to win a series against anybody. It makes him better. But yeah, if you could add Luca or Embiid or anyone who gets unhappy of that caliber to the team, you have the assets to do so, and you have all your guys on a young rookie contract, and you're not like paying anybody a ton. So, yeah, I just think if you're not looking at Giddy, oh shit, your festive headgear. <laughs> if you're not looking at Giddy as a the like hole in the defense or hole in the offense, I suppose you're probably looking at like rebounding and that's where Denver really had a lot of success in their first matchup uh, as opposed to the last two was like Denver's size really gave them problems on the boards like they could not get rebounds on either end of the floor and it made Denver's life pretty easy in the last matchup where they beat Denver the fuck up it was like a swarming (laughs) gang oriented rebound it looked like especially with Jokic, it was like he was the only guy going for offensive rebounds. Then it was like four guys way smaller than him who somehow managed to pull the board down. And yeah, I think that's probably the other approach. And I feel like Lowry helps with that. But at the same time, Lowry's not like a force of a rebounder. He's just like a pretty good one. And like completely giving up, giving up all these assets that you've structured this decade around amassing for Lowry Markin and I get that that's probably not the move you want to pull when Kevin Durant when there was the reports about him being upset there was some talk about hey maybe a Kevin Durant to OKC return and I had that thought I was like oh that would actually be cool I think he could fit in with this team I went to the Oklahoma City Thunder subreddit they do not want him back. They still hate his guts. <laughs> they still call him a cupcake. They still call him a snake. They say, yeah, of course he'd want to come back now that we're up that snake. Um, they they don't want him back. Um, so that's probably, I wonder if that will ever happen. I thought it could happen. I thought the feelings have subsided. They had not. Um, this OKC team, the fans are like, Guess what? You guys couldn't get it done. Young trio Westbrook, Harden, Durant. This one will. So, the- what's funny is, like, uh, Kevin Durant's probably the only player in the league who, like, that might actually impact it. If, if, like, okay, so he's like, we'll trade for you. He's like, dude, check your fucking Reddit. I'm not playing yeah. for you guys. Yeah, Reddit is really. asshole to me on there. <laughs> Golly, yeah. Um, that's surprising. I don't know. It's not surprising. Basketball fans are stupid and petty and emotional. So I, I guess it makes a little bit of sense. It's pretty on par. Um, moving on, the cream of the crop in the West, even though they can't handle uh, the Tibbs, OG, Ananobi pairing. We have the Minnesota Timberwolves. How are you feeling about them? I, th- I said they are in a state of maintenance. And so they're two. Two and two in their last four. Um, Lost to OKC. Win versus Mavs. Win versus Lakers. Lost to the Knicks. Um, And so things are things are just looking good. They're maintaining their their they're like they started off the Tour de France and in the first position, and they're still there. We're on day I don't know how many days that is. We're on day two, let's say, and they're still there. Um, They uh, Mike shout out Mike Conley. Mike Conley's having an insanely efficient season, um, 12 points, three rebounds, six assists per game on 46, 46, 94 shooting, 
64% true shooting. Um, just, just a really good piece for them. And uh, shout out to ownership. Uh, Glenn Taylor is about to be officially gone. They've been selling this team in like increments. And I, I guess as of December 31st, Alex Rodriguez and the other guy who's with him, they're officially controlling owners of the Minnesota Timberwolves. So, um, you know what that means? That means there's going to be a Kevin Garnett jersey retirement soon because he said, I think he said he would not do it as long as Glenn Taylor was owner of the Timberwolves. Now he's out. KG return. Um, And then also they have the wacky assistant coach, Micah Nori. Um, mm-hmm. he says, he says wacky things. He says more, more turnovers than a bakery and, and stuff like that. So <laughs> they're, they're, they're doing what they have been doing. They're maintaining. Oh, oh, yeah. also one thing I want to talk about is, um, Anthony Edwards shot selection. So he takes too many mid range jumpers. He's a career high of his offense is coming from the mid range. He's taking more mid range jumpers than ever, but he's not shooting well on these mid range jumpers. So I think there has to be a conversation of chill out, get to the rim. He's shooting 71% of the rim. If you just focus on the rim and focus at three, you could be even better than you are because he is scoring a lot, but I believe he is at league average or he might be minus one because league average this year is 58% true shooting. Mm-hmm. Um, he, The next scoring leap he's going to have to take is, I think, cutting out that mid-range. But also uh, some people would argue he needs the mid-range for the playoffs, but I, I'd say, I don't know. If you're not good at it, don't take it as much, but... I don't know. He, I, I think we're still not at fully realized Anthony Edwards. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with that, and I, I get. Yeah, I would probably cool off on the mid range as well, just because he is a force of nature as like a three point shooter slasher combo. Um, it's like a nightmare to guard him. I don't know. Um, I think. My big takeaways from their play lately, I'm not worried about them, but I do want to see like a like a real dominant stretch from them again. I just I was having fun when they were doing that, and it was exciting, and it just seems like they've kind of stalled lately. Uh, I think the cat performance he cooked at the end of the the Knicks game. He was he was going hard, uh, but he, defensively Julius Randle was going right at him, and I feel like that is probably the in in terms of uh Minnesota's defense is if you have a guy who can exploit the Carl Anthony Towns matchup, that would be really good. However, there aren't that many guys in the league. There aren't that many guys in the Western Conference. If you're someone like Jokic, you're gonna have to be dealing with both of them at the same time and not read. And so yeah, I think I don't know. The offensive ceiling of the entire team when they go up against a team that can effectively score on the defense that has gotten them to this point, that's the question. Uh, can they go like bar for bar in a shootout with someone who can score on them effectively? I'm not going to say like they're going to get lit up for 130 points or anything, but if a team can average 115, 120 against Minnesota, is that a series that Minnesota would be able to win right now? I don't know. Um, it doesn't feel like it. It feels like they're kind of leaning pretty heavily on 
the Anthony Edwards, Michael Jordan comparison, and then like <laughs> Carl Anthony Towns, who has been really good, Mike Conley, all that. But uh, yeah, I, I don't know. Um, it's to be determined. And I think it would like you're in luck because Anthony Edwards is still ascending. So even if that proves to be an issue here in this postseason, it's not like your Phoenix championship or bust right now, you can kind of retool in the off season and figure out the best balance between like a really good defensive team and a team that can support your generational superstar offensively. Yeah. They, they think they're good, but they could be better. They can always be better. Hell yeah. Such a, (laughs) such a Midwest fucking response to this. Just like, it's fine. I don't know. Could be better, you know? Could be better. Oh, man. All right. That's the West, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to the second episode. Uh, you know, I'll put both these out for free. This is like a teaser tester. Um, Go listen to all Pablo's shit on Hot Tunes TV China NBA. Go check me out on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. Um what's like a really outdated social media MySpace. Mm. MySpace. You can follow me. You can follow me on Quibi. I'm putting out shit on Quibi these days. <laughs> so Quibi, the 15 minute film accent. All right. Uh, yeah. Thank you all for tuning in and I will see you guys in the next episode. Peace, 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 peace.